Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Second hour of Seattle Sports Saturday with you here on 710 ESPN Seattle. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. Happy snow day to you. Snow day Saturday. Make sure you're... Tweet at us, uh, at a kid from Kent, at Taylor Jacobs, at 710 ESPN Seattle. Tweet at us your snow pics. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun to see here on this Saturday. If you've got us on a smart speaker while you're out playing or something, that'd be cool, too. I don't know how that might work. Yeah, get a long extension cord or something. Uh, but make yeah, sure you're staying like safe a, a, out there. Yeah, put it in a plastic bag, extension cords. <laughs> don't get electrocuted trying to listen to us. We're great. But we're not that great, all right? So just, like, one step back from putting your life on the line to hear us. That's where we want you to live, okay? Exactly. Maybe get a Bluetooth speaker. Who knows? Something safer. That's better. But uh, coming up in this hour of Seattle Sports Saturday, we're going to take you around the NFL, get you some big headlines from this week as the offseason now uh, free agency is about a month away from opening, so there's going to be plenty of posturing over the next couple of weeks, especially with that Deshaun Watson situation in Houston. J.J. Watt getting released yesterday. Uh, and then also, who's blinking first in this Seahawks uh, marriage, I guess you could say, even though there's there's three partners. A little different. Uh, a little different kind of marriage. You know. You know? It's 2021, Curtis. The rules are, the rules are a little different. It's true. We don't. We don't do labels in 2021. Uh, no, no. Who's blinking first between Russ, John Schneider, and Pete Carroll? That's coming up in about a half hour from now. So uh, let's get into this hour's big three. Number one. Well, other than the Russell Wilson news, the biggest story nationally was J.J. Watt being released by the Houston Texans. Is Deshaun Watson next? One of the craziest weeks for that organization as it turned to one of the saddest pages. They release a local legend uh, who's raised millions of dollars for the city during one of their toughest times. Local hero, local legend for that organization, J.J. Watt, taking to social media, talking directly to the city about what was going to happen and how he and the team were going to move their separate ways. But now, all focus shifts to Deshaun Watson. He's still there. He's demanded to be traded. Will he be traded? Do any teams really have enough capital to go out and get a quarterback? Young, still reaching his prime. Could they go out and get him? What will it cost? Really interesting questions to look at from a national perspective. And not only that, could it have an impact here locally on the Seahawks or the NFC West on a trade partner for potentially Deshaun Watson. So we'll dive into the biggest NFL stories coming up next in the next segment at around 1215. Number two. Well, it feels like it happened about a month ago, but Super Bowl 55, not much to write home about. If you weren't a fan of the Bucks, they dominated every facet of that game against the Chiefs to take home their second Lombardi trophy in team history. And Tom Brady coming away with a seventh Super Bowl title of his own. Turns out being down both starting tackles on your O-line, that's going to muddle up your offense as Kansas City didn't even reach the end zone in their 31-9 loss. 
believe that's the fewest points scored ever by a team led by Patrick Mahomes on offense. We're talking pro and college, uh, as his college low total was 10 at Texas Tech. As for the celebration, Brady letting loose like most 43-year-olds do when they want to relive their youth, throwing the trophy to Cameron Brate, who was on another moving boat. Now, I'm not entirely sold on the Champa Bay nickname, but that city is clearly the center of the sports universe right now. Number three. Yeah, I'm more of a Tom Brandy guy than uh, a Champa Bay. But, but we move on, lest we progress. Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant, and local favorite, of course, uh, has returned to practice and is ready to face his former, former team, or I guess it's just the former the Golden State Warriors. So look forward to that matchup as he gets the face off against Steph Curry and his former team, former championship winning team. But thinking of, about the future, we got to see it on full display as Luca and Zion both notching career highs and points scored in a matchup against each other, which saw Luca and the Mavs edge out the New Orleans Pelicans. But so great to see this next generation in big games start to pick their games up and play even better than they already are for both Luca and Zion. The league is in good hands when it comes to the future, but looking at the standings, we go out to the West, pretty similar stuff out there as the red hot jazz still on top of both LA teams. Now the, the Lakers only a half game out of that first place spot, but the Clippers Losing a little bit of ground, two and a half games behind them now. And the Suns, Blazers, Spurs, Nuggets, Warriors rounding out that top eight there in the West. Over in the Eastern Conference, 76ers still in first over the Bucks by two games with the Nets and Celtics right behind them. And don't look now, the New York Knickerbockers sitting at number eight. If the playoffs started today, they'd be playing in the postseason. So... Buckle up. You may have New York basketball in the postseason again, and mayhem usually follows when that happens. As Kevin Garnett once said, anything is possible. Uh, That is this hour's big three. Taylor, you bring up the Utah Jazz and how hot they've been. It, It must be the sonic blood inside of me. I still get annoyed by the Utah Jazz. I cannot stand them. And they've got likable guys. Donovan Mitchell, he's a good dude. Mike Conley, always been one of the the better players uh, in the Western Conference. But, man, something about that that jazz note, that logo, those colors, that irks me to no end. I'm with you, Curtis. What am I like? Look, I've only cried like a couple times when it comes to like sports, and it obviously happened when I was younger. But one of the t- times that really sticks out is when the Jazz went to the finals for the first time against the Bulls, and then winning the Western Conference and just realizing that it wasn't going to be the Sonics, even though it, they Brood. weren't playing. They, but that, you know, I was still little and just going into my parents' bathroom and just sitting there and just crying so hard because <laughs> I hated the Jazz and they won and they were going to the finals. And I, I didn't understand why the Sonics weren't in it and weren't going. And yeah, little Tay was really hurt by the Jazz. But I did love John Stockton, which was weird. But, you know, what can you do? He's got, he's got those short shorts. Uh, some other honorable mentions going on in the world of sports. The AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am going on right now. Jordan Spieth tied for the lead with Tom Hogue, uh, both sitting at minus 13. Spieth is at minus one through the day so far. He's through seven. 
Uh, you got Daniel Berger in second place at minus 12. Patrick Cantlay, who had the early lead in the tournament, he shot a first round 62. He's at minus 11, uh, two shots off the lead at the AT&T, uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, and then last weekend, we didn't get to it because it happened after the show, but the Pro Football Hall of Fame class announced for 2021. And uh, this is a really good class, Taylor. One of my favorite classes I've I've seen in my football fandom. Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Drew Pearson, and John Lynch, uh, all five very deserving uh, those first three names, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin, Calvin Johnson, I mean, it doesn't get much better than those three as first time, uh, you know, just their first time on the ballot getting in, getting that nod right away. Uh, congratulations to them. Yeah, I mean, look at you. You go through those names, and Curtis, That's uh, that feels like early Xbox football games. You were oh, playing yeah. with these guys, you know what I mean? Like, uh <laughs> What was the NFL Microsoft game that Peyton Manning was on the cover? Inside like, no, Inside Drive was Vince Carter. It was something was it, along those uh, lines. Like NFL Game Time or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, he something like that. Was, uh, he was an OG video game uh, cover athlete. Um, fever, then, NFL fever, NFL fever. There we go. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, if it if it's not NFL Blitz or NFL 2K or or Madden, that you are there, there's a whole host of options it could be, um, and then some other news that just broke this morning uh, in college basketball, the NCAA has been doing the the early bracket reveal uh, the last few years. Gonzaga they are the number one overall seed right now as of this moment for the NCAA tournament, which would start uh, next month and. Taylor, I don't know if you saw this over the week, but the NCAA tournament this year, not starting on a Thursday as it customarily has been on, it's starting on a Friday. You're going to get a Friday-Saturday first round instead of a Thursday-Friday first round. How do you feel about maybe uh, you know a whole weekend worth of college basketball action not being interrupted by the workday? I can tell you that our managers and the bosses around the country are very much excited that it's taking one of the work days off. And uh, look, that's one of my favorite sports days of the whole year. It's just so much fun to see all of that basketball action, flipping all the channels. You get so familiar with True TV and all their programming that they have. And it just is one of those fun, special sports days here in America. So, um, look, I'm happy it's still happening. If that means it's got to be on a Saturday versus Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday, so be it. I just want to see some games, see some action, see some upsets, some Cinderella's, some weird little school beating some Lehigh beating the Duke. I want to see all that. All of that. Uh, and then text coming into the Viziard Seltzer text line, keeping us accountable here on Seattle Sports Saturday. From the 206, they say, I, I, I seem to think two radio hosts picked against Brady last week. I, I don't know who you're talking about, 206. Uh, well, actually, ah. I do know who you're talking about. Not our proudest moment. Not our proudest Hey, moment. look, I will say to my credit, a small amount of credit, but I threw every other game. I was like, I can't pick against Tom Brady. I got to pick Tom Brady. And then I let my dumb heart get in the dumb way. And this is what happens, people. This is why you don't trust your heart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when you do, sometimes it works out for you. And that's, why oh, it's so great. Oh, it's so great. That's, that's what makes sports 
as great as they are. But coming up in this hour, we will get you some NFL headlines, including where Deshaun Watson may have his eye on. That's coming up next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. You hear that music? It can only mean one thing. It's time for some NFL headlines here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Taylor, let's start with that Deshaun Watson story that will probably be the story of the NFL offseason for as long as it goes on. You know, Houston continues to deny any interest in trading the disgruntled quarterback. But Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reporting yesterday that Watson's camp right now would be most intrigued by the Denver Broncos and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Not so much the 49ers as much as the Broncos. Also, he mentioned the Jets in there, but uh, the Jets are probably a distant third right now in terms of teams in the running for Watson. I think as, as we're here in the NFC West, the one team you do not want him to go to is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but what do you make of those three teams and just what they could possibly offer Houston for Watson? Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to take a lot. We mentioned it last hour. What is a deal like this going to look like? I'm fascinated by this. You know, look, we can play Madden or update NFL 2K if you want to get that weird and put in the rosters and do all these trades. And it's, it's difficult to pull it off even in a video game let alone in real life. So what would it take to actually pry away a quarterback from those from that team? It, it, it's really curious, and I don't want him in San Fran. Anywhere but San Fran. Yeah, get him out of anywhere near the Bay Area. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you're a great quarterback. I would love to watch you elsewhere instead of twice a year against the Seahawks. That would not be fun for anybody because if you remember, he had one of the best games of his career against the Seahawks, and that was a Seahawks defense that still had the Legion of Boom. It still had Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and all those guys, and he torched them that day uh, during his rookie season. Also in the NFL yesterday, we got the news that Jacksonville, their strength and conditioning coach, Coach Chris Doyle has resigned after only being on the job for about 24 hours. Uh, there was plenty of controversy surrounding the hire as Doyle, during his previous stop at the University of Iowa, was involved in a scandal where uh, he was accused of racist behavior towards uh, members of that Iowa Hawkeyes football team. Taylor, you just it, professional football is so much different than college football. You cannot, first off, you can't treat college athletes in that way. Secondly, if you try to treat a professional athlete in that way, somebody who's making a considerable more amount of money than you, it's not going to go over with anybody. This was the only outcome for this situation. Yeah, and it's just, to me, I, I will come out and be honest, I'm not the biggest Urban Meyer fan. I think he has a spotty history and. This just raises another eyebrow, and and what what happens under this guy's watch, or rather, what happens while he's not watching? Because it feels like a lot happens in that gray area, and 
I'm just so thankful that Ohio State is out from under that shadow, and I'm, I'm really un, I'm bummed out that Jacksonville has to kind of go through this. And is it worth it? He's a good coach, but man, he brings a lot of darkness to the program sometimes, and it just is. It's going to be a real interesting time in Jacksonville. They haven't had a profile coach, high-profile coach like this, maybe ever. And what can he do? Can it make it an attractive place? Can he right some of the wrongs that he did in the past and sort of get back to being a better person and a better leader of men? And look, these guys make a lot of money, so they're going to be holding him accountable too. And a lot of people who make money on this organization are also going to be holding him accountable. So, oh yeah, and also the players get paid at this level. So they are also holding him accountable. So yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. You bring up Urban Meyer and, and just his checkered past of leadership at, at his places. He wins in a ridiculous way. You look at his win percentage at, at college between you know Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State. Uh, I believe his win percentage is actually higher than Nick Saban's, which is saying something. But he is also somebody that has won at all costs. And is that... You know, is that the right way of going about it? Yeah, you win national championships, you win a ridiculous amount of games, but you do leave a pretty sketchy wake, you know, sketchy path to where you've gotten, uh, you know, and off on a, off on the wrong foot in Jacksonville. Uh, hopefully, Urban can make a, a much better hire for that position uh, going forward here. Uh, speaking of Urban Meyer, a pair of his former players at University of Florida call it a career. They've been spending about a decade in the NFL. That'd be Marquise and Mike Pouncey, two offensive linemen. Uh, Marquise, longtime Pittsburgh Steeler, and Mike uh, with the Dolphins and Chargers for a long time. Both those guys played in plenty of Pro Bowls. I think they were both all pros at some point. But they also have that uh, that wild streak in them. They are guys I would not mess with at any point uh, anywhere. They, if, if you've read some stories on them, don't get on their bad side. Yeah, Curtis, we were just talking about this. Uh, can they just fast track the 30 for 30 they're going to make on that Florida team with Tim Tebow, Urban Meyer, the Pouncey Twins, Aaron Hernandez, um, Percy Harvey, Riley yeah, Percy Harvin, uh, Riley Cooper, like just all those guys, just what? And they won and they were successful. Like you put all those combustible items together and somehow it didn't explode in his face. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need to see how he did that and if it was legal in the way he did that. Because it feels like, again, I don't know. I don't know about it. The amount of stories that have come from that Florida Gators team, like this is just what the public knows about them. Yes. I would love to know the stories that didn't get out. The stories that are lock and sealed away for no one to find out about. Because there was plenty going on in Gainesville at that time. I'm stunned that we haven't heard more from those teams, especially with how just crazy some of those personalities on that team were. Uh, Boy, I want that 30 for 30 now. So somebody better be working on that. Uh, And then also, Taylor, yesterday, Trevor Lawrence, the presumed number one overall pick. He had his personal pro day at Clemson, throwing for uh, 15 to 20 scouts in attendance. Not 
didn't get much word on who went to go see him. Obviously, the Jags were there because they've got the number one overall pick. Probably going to end up in Jacksonville. Uh, but in addition to his pro day yesterday, he's having labrum surgery today on his left shoulder, so his non-throwing shoulder. Um, how about this, though? Uh, this week, Todd McShay, in his latest mock draft, first four picks, all quarterbacks. He had Lawrence going one, Zach Wilson of BYU going number two to the Jets. He had Justin Fields going number three to Carolina through a trade, and then he had Trey Lance of North Dakota State going number four. Do you think we could see four quarterbacks go in the first four picks? It's going to be tough. It, look, if, if, if it's ever going to happen, this is supposed to be the year. It's supposed to be really deep, those four guys. And if the teams have the capital, you can't wait. We've seen it, that teams that go up and get the, their guy, it, it tends to pay off. Hint, hint, Chicago. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what this draft shapes up to be like again pro days are all weird you don't know who can be in attendance what they're gonna look like you know that this the combine is not happening so it's it's we, we just for the first time we have so many uncertainties even more than last year's draft just because of the season we had and the lack of scouting that could take place so buckle up this is gonna be a weird weird draft Absolutely it is. There's going to be a lot of guys who didn't play that are going to get picked in the top 10 and uh, plenty of questions abound about, you know, what's it, is it taking a year off like that going to be, in you know, a hindrance to their development? Who knows? But these are those uncertain times, hashtag uncertain times, uh, going on right now in the NFL draft process. No combine either, so... Who knows how that's going to impact this draft class. Coming up in this hour, we need your shout-outs to the Busy Hard Seltzer text line. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. But before that, who's blinking first between Russell Wilson, John Schneider, and Pete Carroll? How can they get harmony amongst these three going forward? We'll talk that next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Still need your shout outs to the Busy Heart Seltzer text line 710-710. That's how we wrap things up here on Seattle Sports Saturday every single weekend with you. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. And before we get to that, though, there's still the task at hand of the Seahawks and just kind of how they move forward from here. Uh, who blinks first, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, or John Schneider? And I think, Taylor, if Russell Wilson were to blink first, I think it would be sort of in the way of sort of retracting what he said or being like, I know I was harsh in what I said. I, I think we have a great team here. But I don't really get that vibe from him that he is going to back off from what he said. What What do you think happens for this group if, if they're going to move forward together? What do you think needs to happen over the next uh, maybe couple months as free agency gets underway? Yeah, I mean they got to have a 
Richard Sherman complained about it back in the day, but they need that kumbaya meeting. They need to have it come out. They need to sit down and talk about realistically what is going on now. Should Russell have a say in that conversation about what the plan is? That's probably a whole two hour show, right? About whether or not you should have players involved with front office decisions, but should he be aware? Should he be in the know? I'm okay with all of that. And should he be aware of where they're thinking about the draft is heading and where free agency is heading? And, you know, you can, you can be informed and not be involved. And I think that's the level I would like to have Russell Wilson at is to have him happy with the information he's receiving from both John and Pete. And that he also feels heard because sometimes that's just as important as actually doing it is maybe that he just wants to feel that, that he's heard from his bosses and people in regular life here and go through that all the time about, you know, I have these good ideas. I have these things about making us better, but do the people up top listen? And, you know, it, it, it's a struggle when you get up there because you made it there. You have this expertise. You are John Schneider. You're Pete Carroll. You're an expert. Why would you listen to Russell? But when you have someone like Russell, who is such a big part of the process and your success, he's got to be informed. So to me, Curtis, the first thing they got to do is get that information spreading around and let them let Russell in on some of that. But as far as who's blinking first, it's not Russell. I can tell you that right now. It's not going to be Russell. It's most likely going to be John Schneider. It, it, it's got to be, I think, Pete or John. If they want to restore some harmony amongst this trio that has accomplished so much in their time here in Seattle. And I, I wonder if this, you know, this relationship between the three can ever go back to what it it has been after a moment like this. And throughout the course of this week, we've heard from so many people that the Seahawks were caught very off guard by Russ's comments. And they were, you know, sort of stunned by what he said and how he said it. But I, I don't know if the Seahawks can truly be stunned by what he said. I, I understand them being stunned by how he said it. Because if you're Pete and John, I can't imagine they're tremendously satisfied either with the production of the offensive line. You really can't be. And and I get that the Seahawks run game during this, this time has been incredible at, at in some seasons. It's also been God awful in others. There was, you know, that stretch after Marshawn Lynch left, you know, the Thomas Rawls and uh, Kristen Michael and all those seasons. Those were terrible. Ooh. years. Yeah. Uh, those were brutal. Um, but I look at the Seahawks right now, I think they're in a much better place than what they were in those years. But the urgency needs to be there from all sides. It can't just be Russell Wilson being urgent about this. I think with Pete Carroll being near the end of his career, he signed that five-year extension, but I can't see him coaching beyond that. I would hope that there's a sense of urgency from him as well because his legacy is on the line. I don't think it's it's set in stone that he is a Hall of Fame head coach right now. I think there is, you know, a little bit more he could possibly do. Maybe he wins another Super Bowl title. I think that would cement his place in Canton, Ohio. I think that would would definitely take a lot of weight off the shoulders and I think that would definitely help 
ease the debate amongst the Pro Football Selection Committee, uh, the Hall of Fame Selection Committee, about Pete Carroll. I think his legacy is very important to him. I think John Schneider also wants to be considered one of the best executives of his of his era. And, you know, he's never won executive of the year, but he has built some amazing teams during his time. There's so much at stake for every single one of these guys. Russell Wilson can't be the only one that feels a sense of urgency. No, and look, I think if you listen to Pete and you listen to John and their interviews that they, they've they given over the past few years, they know they need to get back to the prom, to the promised land. They've got to get back to the Super Bowl. They've been there. They, they've done it before. They got the taste of the success, right? And to them, you're right, both legacies, all three legacies are really on the line here, right? Like... <clears throat> If Russell wins that second one, he jumps Rodgers as far as Super Bowl titles. You know what I mean? He he will jump Mahomes potentially as far as Super Bowl titles. He will jump a couple other Hall of Fame quarterbacks as far as Super Bowl titles. So it, there's a lot on the line. And again, Curtis, I think you, that you you really nailed it with the – I don't think John and Pete were surprised about what he was saying or what he was asking for. I think where he asked and and brought these things forward was the surprising part and doing it on the Dan Patrick show and in the presser and doing it in front of the public because he's been such a closed, I mean, no, no disrespect, but he's been a closed sort of robotic guy when it comes to dealing with the media in those big senses, those big sort of gossipy topics. And now he's feeding into it to use it to what he thinks is his advantage. So, look, they all – it's good that they all were um, – aware of this. I mean, it happened this early on in the off season where they can address it. They can do some moves. They work on some things to get things done, to get back to a great place to start the season, because that's all that matters. There's a lot of time between now and the start of football camp. And a lot can happen with a lot of different teams before. Look, there might be a different starting quarterback in San Francisco by the time we're, we're signing an offensive lineman here in Seattle. So it could be it could change any day so that's the the focus re i guess re bringing up i don't know how you would call it reestablishing the focus was the the main goal and i think that's happened when you look at where this trio is right now and i think there was a, a bit of you know i, I guess it's not as harmonious as it once was. Let's. I think we're very safe in saying that. What do you think needs to happen for this group of guys, for, for the three most important figures right now in the day-to-day operations of the Seahawks? What do you think needs to happen for these guys to get back on the same page? Would it simply be satisfying Russell Wilson and, and, and bringing in all you know, bring in offensive linemen that are going to keep him upright more often, or is there, you know, is it communication? Is it just simply, you know, being more open about this kind of stuff and, and maybe not 
treating Russell Wilson as though he's somebody, you know, in year two, year three anymore and, and saying like, it, this is your offense, man. This is you. Like we got you, your offensive coordinator. Now we're going to get you, you know, an offensive line. That's going to keep you up. Yeah. And I think they're going to say that. And then I think that's the spot on way to do it. But <clears throat> with that, Russell, then it's on you, man. And if this is then the problem, look, you got the playmakers, you get the offensive line. If this is still happening, but the focus has shifted to you. It's on you. This is about you. And look, you want to insert yourself in there. You're more than allowed to ask for it and for the team to allow that to happen. But like Peter Parker says all the time with great power comes great responsibility and that's what's going to come with this if he gets that power there's going to be a different level of responsibility that he's held to just like uncle ben held his his nephew peter parker to that level to become spider-man like that's what's going to happen to russell so a lot a lot is is still up in the air but again i think getting on the same page that open line of communication about the plan and what's happening. He doesn't have to be necessarily involved in, in making the decision, but just informed. I think that that's how they get to a, a even playing field where they're all on the same page. A couple of texts coming in from uh, the Viziard Seltzer text line, 710-710. The 206 says, this is Mark Rogers written all over it, Russell Wilson's agent. And I would say, there's a lot of truth to that because as an agent, your job is to put your clients in the very best position. And if Mark Rogers isn't doing that for Russell Wilson, then that's not a good player agent relationship. Mark Rogers doing his job. And as much as he gives Seahawks fans headaches, you can't say that Mark Rogers is a bad agent because an agent is somebody that has to put them that has to, you know, dive on some of these landmines for their client. And if that's the case here, then Mark Rogers is doing his job. And then also uh, from the three, six, Oh, they say in three months, this dialogue will be history. I'll, I'll say this three, six, Oh, if that is the case in three months, this dialogue means nothing. Then that's a great thing for the Seahawks. That is an incredible thing. Do I think that's going to be the case? Probably not, because the very first time Russell Wilson takes four or five sacks in a game in the 2021 season, this conversation is going to get brought up almost immediately. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, man, in 90 days, I agree with the 360. This conversation could be history. It could be way different. We could be having a whole different another conversation about defensive holes now on this team or, or something else. So the 360 – Stay tuned. The next three months are going to be uh, interesting, but uh, I agree. It could it could be a weird we, – we could be in a weird spot in 90 days. We could be in a weird spot, weirder spot in 180 days when the season is almost starting. So we'll see. Coming up on Seattle Sports Saturday, it is time for your shout-outs. It's time for our shout-outs. That's how we wrap things up every single Saturday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturday. We wrap it up as we do every single week here with your shout outs, with our shout outs. Text those into the Busy Heart Seltzer text line 710-710. couple of good ones coming in as they always do here on Seattle Sports Saturday. 
Uh, they say this from the 360. I want to shout out my pup, Rainbow, as this might be her last winter. Rainbow, always been uh, a loyal listener to Seattle Sports Saturday. Yeah. Uh, we Rainbow's a part of this family as much as their family. So we love Rainbow and... You know, dogs are, we're so blessed to have dogs in our life. And <clears throat> I'm going through my first winter with our newest dog, Zane. He's upstairs crying. I'm sure you can actually hear if you listen closely <laughs> enough into the background. But uh, yeah, I mean, dogs are just amazing. And we're so lucky to have two great dogs we adopted. Um, so Rainbow's just as much of an adopted dog on this show. And the listeners and the people out there listening to the show, we've mentioned Rainbow so much that if you're listening, Rainbow's a part of your family as well. Absolutely. Uh, also, shout out to anybody you know having to plow some snow this weekend, especially all the uh, city workers uh, having to navigate all the hills around here. Can't. It's not an easy job, and you know, especially with how few snow plows there are in this area and how often it or how little it actually snows here year round. I uh, just want to wish them safe, uh, safe, a safe job this weekend, safe travels, uh, because it's not an easy job. And uh, we're very thankful for them keeping us safe, especially during a pandemic too. You know, you got that on top of a very treacherous job. So uh, shout out to them. Uh, but Taylor, I think it's time for our shout outs. I'll let you go first this week. Who are you shouting out? Yeah, and I don't usually shout her out, but uh, she's upstairs right now. I'm going to shout out my wife because she uh, is starting a new job. She just left a job of 10 years uh, at Microsoft in an amazing, amazing um, career there. And she's got a new job, a new opportunity that she's taking. And it's rough. And it's rough when you work at a place for that long and you build up friendships and like when Curtis left, it was tough for me, and now he's back, so I'm thankful for that. But when you lose coworkers that you work with for so long, it can be really tough. And I know it was a tough week for her and for her coworkers. Um, you know, they all sort of had to go through it as well with her. So to her, to her team, I, I'm going to give them the shout-out. And uh, Molly, I love you. I'm so proud of you for working so hard. And you, she's earned this job. And uh, I'm so thankful I got to spend the rest of my life with her and uh, get to see where else she leads this uh, exciting family. So Zane, Spike, and I are proud of our uh, uh, proud of Molly. So I'll, I'll give yeah, it to her. I rarely I... shot my wife out, so I'll give it to her. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Molly, the MVP of of your family for sure. Yes. Uh, shout yes. out to being wife guys. Uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, big wife guys. That's the best thing. Yeah, I love yeah. being that. Uh, my shout-out this week, uh, if you have gone to a Seattle sports event over the last, I want to say, probably 20 years, you definitely ran into this guy a time or two. And his name is Chris Brandon, which is not the most recognizable name, but he is one of the most recognizable people. You may know him as Sonic's guy. And he, his most recognizable look was the Sonic's jersey and his Big, huge afro, uh, you know, with a little bit of gray in it. Always had a pick in his afro, and just one of the coolest dudes you could ever meet. Um, always at a Seattle sports event, whether it be a Seahawks game, a Mariners game, a Thunderbirds game, a Husky game, anything like that. He was always there with his sign, and always, you know, quick to remind people of bringing back the Sonics. Um, was very much instrumental in the Sonics, uh, you know, 
when when they left, he was instrumental in helping those conversations stay alive about the team and getting you know arenas built uh, in town. He was at so many town hall meetings in this city, did so much for just the common sports fan around town. Um, unfortunately, this week, uh, confirmed by his family on Thursday night, he passed away suddenly uh, from a heart attack. And it's because of fans like him and just fans in general that make sports what they are. Sports would not be as as important as they are if it weren't for the passion of the fans throughout these markets across the country and across the world. And he was such a, a light amongst the Seattle sports fandom, somebody that you could always count on, you know, bringing, bringing a smile to wherever it was that he went. And there have been a lot of times in this, in this city's sports history where cracking a smile is not easy, uh, especially somebody who fights for bringing the Sonics back like he did. Um, so my shout out, and I think Taylor very much, in lockstep with me, we're shouting out Chris Brandon, a.k.a. Sonics guy, uh, just for everything that he did during his life um, and especially everything he did you know, over the last 20, 25 years just in the Seattle sports community. Yeah. <clears throat> Look, I don't know much. I'm a simple man, but I know this. I know that what he did will contribute to the Sonics coming back to this city. And I do know that they need to honor this man <clears throat> and what he did in the time when it was the hardest to do. He was always there. And I remember going to those Sonics rallies at every single one front, front and center afterwards talking to people. I mean, what a light and to, for us to be lucky, you know, we've had so many non-sports athlete stars in this area and you have tuba man and big low and you have all these and you have mr and mrs hawk and sea hulk and you have these rick the great, peanut guy rick the peanut guy like you just have this rich fandom here in seattle at uw at wazoo it is so ingrained in who we are and if you're listening it is ingrained in you. If you're hearing this right now, I know it because that's why you're listening to sports radio on a Saturday afternoon on a snowy day is because somewhere deep down you have that connection. So Chris is one of the shining lights here in this area and Sonic Sky, man, we're getting this team back. You are going to help us even after you're gone. You will still help us get this team back one day. And I can't wait till I'm at Climate Pledge Arena looking at a big picture of him up on the walls, honoring him and the amazing work he did in life to help this come back. And what's going to happen in his post life to honor him in that way? Yeah, rest in peace, Chris Brandon, a.k.a. Sonics guy. Uh, you're getting our shout-outs here on Seattle Sports Saturday for everything that you did and everything you contributed to the Seattle sports scene. That is going to do it for us here on this Seattle Sports Saturday. Make sure you're staying safe out in the snow today and throughout the rest of this weekend. We want to be talking to you next week. Uh, make sure you're downloading the podcast, 710sports.com. Click on On Demand. We're there for you as well as every hour of every single show. That'll do it. He is Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. Cougar basketball later today as they take on USC right here on 710. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. We'll be back with you next week right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.